0: up in a bath of ice i'm a victim of an organized you know it is true you know this time you're never gonna get it but you already stole my heart yeah you ripped it and tore it apart you
1: welcome to the cutbroke Queen podcast where the spirits of christmas trees go to plot their revenge my name is Brett Mitchell Kent and I am here with the chronically British Elton Skelter and Hello. the original mall rat, Chelsea Pumpkins.
2: Hey.
0: <laughs> she looks like Happy a mall New rat. Year. Oh, I, Happy <laughs> New Year, both of you. <laughs> yeah. Ellen New just year.
2: told me I look like a mall rat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I got confused with muskrats. I have a big
1: <laughs> so I did um. So, one of the the things that I I received feedback-wise was that they do like to know whether we are all together or separate. separate. And um, we are together in our hearts, but separate physically. Um, I'm in northern Indiana.
2: I'm in Massachusetts.
3: Ah, where the witch trials happened, figures.
2: Mm. Uh,
3: I'm I'm in uh, the south of England, not near London. There are other places, too.
2: You're from England.
3: I'm from England, Poppins.
1: <laughs> um, so since it is our first episode of 2023 and technically our first official episode, um, reading, writing goals, anything different you want to try in 2023 that you didn't Pumpkin. do or failed to do in 2022?
2: Pumpkin, you go um, first. Okay. Well, I... I've set like a Goodreads reading goal, like for the past tons of years. Um, and this year I hit it like by the skin of my teeth. I like finished a novelette on New Year's Eve day. Um, and I was like, yes, that's number 35, which is pretty low for me. So, um, but I think I spent a lot more time this year writing and beta reading. So like, those are things you can't really put on Goodreads. So it's like kind of a silly metric. So I need to decide how many books I want to set on Goodreads. Um and I don't know. Maybe it'll be around like thirty or something. Knowing now what I can kind of balance, um, and writing wise, one of my goals that I met in twenty twenty two was I wanted to submit a hundred times, so I hit that. Um, I know to some people that's low, which is crazy to me because I felt like mm. it was kind of hard to meet. Um, but I would like to try writing something longer in this new year. Yes. So yeah, yes. I don't know. I, know. I don't novels intimidate me but i'm thinking maybe like a novella or something so even a novella
3: would be cute wouldn't it like it's you, you can write a really really decent like four five thousand words short story if you do a novelette it's only three times the length so
2: just three of those crank three them out
3: together yeah. yeah
2: so i think that'll be a good way to like stretch my
3: skills i'm very excited yeah. for that i would be happy to be to read for that as well because you know i love everything that you write
2: thanks elton Ellen, what about what about you what are you aiming for in, in the new year
3: okay well I've, I've got a book coming out already so that's one thing off my list I've got a, a, a novel coming out from DNC press in June but um I've got a couple of other projects that I really want to do like I want to do a full collection of short stories of just horrible things like things that are really triggering things that people don't necessarily want to or like to read about um things that need content warnings I want to try and like flex my muscle into extreme horror a little bit see if I can do awesome. it. Um, How many do you already
2: have like banked for it or are you starting fresh?
3: I have, how many do I have? I think I've only got one in it so far, but I've got all of them planned. So I've got like outlines outlines for all of them. I'm just gradually working my way through. Um, And I also want to write a sequel to one of my short stories that got published last year. So I'm hoping to do that this year, which should be fun. Which story? uh, It's called Fuck You, Mary Sue. It's available through... T publishing part of their emerge series we'll link it in the bottom in the bottom bit um and yeah and i want to read more obviously i want to read more as well and a to read help my friends out and i want to i want to just get this off the ground get this kicking
0: podcast
3: out there and start like really hyping up some of the people we meet a lot of cool writers doing podcasting and and being in a a larger wider support group online um for, for writers and stuff and it just reading some of the work of some of our peers is incredibly impressive and I just I'm really excited to see where all of these people go and what they come out with next so yeah bring on 2023 I
2: think think it's Brett's goal for us to get a piece of fan art so if any of you listeners (laughs) of of episode one feel like drawing us (laughs) yeah you would make Brett's ear.
3: also I am a delightfully skinny blonde with massive tits, if anyone's looking to <laughs> imagine like, what I look like. I'm, I'm gorgeous. Pam Anderson, early 90s.
2: I would love to see that. Anyway, Brett. <laughs>
3: <laughs> From one tit to another.
1: I'm like yes. a, I a over uh, the 90s Pamela Elfman. Um So, mine are probably less trackable, but... Um, more emotional I would say I I am really going to take an active approach to write what I actually want to be writing instead of taking like that mercenary approach to you know pick an anthology and write for it um, I went away from that in 2022 and it just I didn't I didn't feel like I was loving everything I was putting out so I'm going to follow my whims. Um, I like to write a lot of long form and I haven't been because I've been focusing on short stories. So I'm going to bounce between a couple novels. Um, part of my ADHD makes it so that I kind of get bored a little bit more quickly if I'm doing long form. So I'll get like 20,000 words in and I'm like, no, nope, I can't do this anymore. So I'm, I'm going to bounce between a couple and try that out. Um, cool. Reading wise, I never hit my Goodreads goal because a lot of stuff I read is not trackable on Goodreads. So I'm I'm actually not doing a Goodreads goal this year. That's it. She
3: reads a lot of porn.
1: (laughs) No, actually, that's actually trackable on Goodreads. My husband's (laughs) cousin um, is follow. I follow her on Goodreads, and I was shocked
0: by (laughs) the stuff that she
1: (laughs) was. I wonder if she's listening. On Goodreads. And I'm like, uh, you know, but I, I love an erotic story. Don't even get me wrong there, but I, I don't usually post that on my Goodreads. Um,
2: well, maybe you would have hit your goals if you admit it.
1: <laughs> I bet I read a lot. Uh, and then the, the third one is, I, I actually stole this from uh, another writer, Michelle Tang. Um, check out her work if you haven't already. Glorious, glorious. Yeah, author. she's amazing. We love Michelle. But... I I want to do a writing retreat. I, Mm. even if it's not an official writing retreat, maybe like snag a room in a cabin and just lock myself away from the world for a week and see what kind of weird things pop out. So that's happening.
2: I'm going to my first, well, I guess that's not really true. I'm going to StokerCon for the first time though. And I'm really excited about that this year. So that'll be another one.
1: So I'm not I'm not certain if I'm gonna to go to StokerCon in an official way, but I might go to the area that StokerCon is and oh. linger so that I can meet up with some people that I don't get to meet up with because I don't really wanna to go to Stoker Con, but I do want to go near Stoker Con. You
2: can come and sell um sell my anthology for me. <laughs> I'll set you up at a bar and just give you a box of books and uh Yeah. Yeah. All right, you're hired.
1: Yeah. I'm incredibly <laughs> charming. So they'll
3: just they'll just roll off the shelf. That's a contract right there as well. You've just committed to that on I was gonna say live air. <laughs> no going back now.
2: Yeah, we're live. <laughs> Those um, are great goals though for both of you. I love it.
3: Yeah. I think also like in terms of coming up for 2023 is there anything that you're like really excited about release wise movies games books anything that you've got that's coming up that you're like itching to to get to
0: um i I guess i'll answer that so um something that i'm reading right now which is not
1: it's not technically released but it's a good segue so i'm reading a it's a it's a beta read for an author, um, Emma Murray, who if you follow anthology, you've probably read her work. But it it's called Seafoam Shallows, I think is the, the working title for it. Um, she is an author that is, she's incredible. I beg her for work consistently, and she'll tell you this is very creepy. But <laughs> um she actually has a couple of things so march of this year she is coming out in, in ooze who is that that one's edited by uh let me see here it's ruth I Anna evans ruth ann evans um it's called Anna. Ooze little, ruth Anna evans sorry <laughs> Ooze. little bursts of body horror um so both emma murray and um, somebody named chelsea pumpkins who hey it's coming there. out in that one. And then also uh, obsolescence, which is shortwave Alan Left Lef-
4: I can't say this name. Lovska. Uh and hopefully Turner,
1: um, are coming out with that one in May 2023. But if you back the Kickstarter, you get it in February, I believe. Um and Emma Marie is also in that. So shout out to Emma. <laughs> Her novel's yeah. fantastic so far. Hopefully it finds a home very, very shortly so that everybody else can read it as well.
2: I can't wait for the Obsolescence Kickstarter rewards to come out because I'm obsessed with the art that they had done for their covers. And for those who don't know, I think they had like three covers made or whatever. And I was like, well, I don't really need three hardcover books or whatever. So I ordered the three prints and I'm so excited to get them and hang them up. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I got
0: the
1: prints and one copy.
2: Nice. Very cool. That's cool. Um, Brett, can you or Elton, because I think you both do this, but can you briefly cover what beta reading involves for people who may not know? No, yeah.
3: Um I don't want to. <laughs> I, yeah, so it,
1: it goes different for whoever you're reading for, but it's basically just taking and throwing an extra pair of eyes onto a finished piece of work, whether it's a flash or a short story or a full-length novel. Um you just you can provide line edits. Sometimes you're just reading it, looking for inconsistencies. Sometimes you're just reading it so that they can get a confidence boost to actually look and go with the next steps. So it's pretty all inclusive, cool. wide ranging what you're gonna do. But you just read it before it hits the main market so that you can help them out. Is awesome. that a good? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's like. I see it as I get to read a story before everybody else gets to read it. (laughs) So that's that's my benefit to it. Do you find that
3: you still go back and read pieces after they've been published to see the difference between the original version and the one that got published?
1: I sometimes reread. Yeah. I I don't always. Yeah, I don't think
2: I I have reread yet.
3: You don't read in the first place, Chelsea. 35 (gasps) books of 2002. (laughs) I, I
2: will
3: went Rude. It, I, I, like I reread are the are still sitting in your to read pile of mine that you've never read before so many Listen
2: listen I lost the file I can't be blamed for that I'm that not sure you ever them, sent yeah. it to me That was
3: one of them I sent you several <laughs> but never mind
2: God. I'm Just a slow people. reader okay I'm a thorough slow reader
3: <laughs> Really slow it takes her like a whole year to read 35 short stories so. as <laughs> well And Damn. Editing an entire
1: anthology. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So That's what are here for? Um, what about you, Chelsea? What am I what
2: excited are you about? Excited about
0: this um,
2: year. Yesterday, I picked out my first read of 2023. So yeah. get getting an early start on my goal. Um, so I decided to pick up Soft Places, which is by Betty Rocksteady, and it came out. It technically came out at the end of last year. It just says 2022 in the copyright. Um, and it came out from Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing. Um, but what caught my eye about it, I'll show you guys on the screen, um, oh, is that it's a wow. hybrid a hybrid novella and graphic novel. Um, so I just think it's, I'm excited about anybody kind of like trying a new format or like getting a little bit extra creative. And I think that the publishers who are willing to like take a chance on that stuff is really exciting too. So I was, I don't know, I really wanted to support the project, and now I'm like probably forty percent through, and it's like super addicting, and I'm very into it, and excited to see where it goes.
3: Addicting? Um, no, that's not good English, Chelsea. It's addictive.
2: Oh, I am addicted. How about that? That's better. That's
3: better. So like that. hold on, I do have a question. So yeah.
1: for that, when you said it's a hybrid between a novella and a graphic
2: yeah. novel how did how did they do it did they, they well, just, maybe, like maybe burst. we could have her on some but um <laughs> i'll show you so like yeah, the Betty, first if you're
3: listening we want you
2: uh, let me check. <laughs> i have it in front of me for those who cannot see me at the moment so like the first like 10-ish pages are prose and then like we get a full page drawing oh, another cool. page of prose and then it like goes into like another maybe dozen pages of graphic novel so like I have a feeling based on how the story is going that I don't know I don't want to give too many spoilers but there are maybe like two worlds happening and like maybe the the real world is the prose side and the other world I think is the graphic novel side.
3: Sold, Absolutely sold I'm gonna go and buy a copy now. That's actually yeah I If no, my phone it's was really
2: in cool. with me
3: right now, I'd be ordering it already.
2: I think <laughs> that um, the art would be up both of your alleys as well.
3: Yeah, I've seen a lot of the stuff that, um, that Betty does for, for PMP, and it, it's incredible. I love her work. She's fantastic. That's really yeah, so cool. I
2: don't know. I might finish this today, depending on how...
3: Not during the recording, please. We're very
2: excited. <laughs> <good. laughs> Bye. <laughs> Elton, what are you excited about?
3: Okay, I've got two things. Um... One of them, I don't know if um, if anyone's familiar with this, but in 2022, oh my God, that's such a weird way to say that. In 2022. Um,
2: 2022.
3: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, May Murray edited the book of Queer Saints. Um, she has just started up her own like small media source page called ExoMedia and announced that there will be a second book of Queer Saints, Volume 2, submissions which open up in may so i'm assuming we're going to get that before the end of next year so i think that's going to be really, really good there was a lot of buzz about the first one um i've read some of the stories in it as well they're just a collection of some really fantastic queer authors and i just i love works that bring together the queer community and and put together selection collections of stories where they feature problematic gays which is exactly what this collection was and the fact there's going to be a second one is very very exciting so yes very excited about that um, awesome
2: i know with the first one may did some really nice um like altruistic work with that too like i think i got the copy because i made a donation yeah um and just showed her proof of that and she sent yeah. me the ebook
3: and i think the second one's going to be a lot because i think it was very much an experimentation for her uh, it was her first experience editing it's her first experience doing something like a kickstarter and now she's got a lot of um a lot of sort of practice with that that process to to bring it back and make it hopefully a lot more sort of streamlined and easier for herself when she's, when she's putting it out and, so, and she's doing it under a new sort of bracket called Exo media. So that's really exciting as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, th- I think that that media bracket as well is going to be offering sort of consultancy and stuff like that as well. So I think that's going to be sort of a, oh, like that's a resource really cool. for the community, which is great. Um, the other oh, thing may. I'm really excited about is, um, the mothers of mayhem podcast are releasing a season two charity anthology, um, it's called Nursery Stories for Dumb Crotch Goblins, A Child's Garden of Curses. So it's a child-themed um, charity anthology, and all of the money uh, is going to donate life um, in, in honour of Jay Wilburn, who we lost in 2022. So um, none of the authors will be getting any, any payments for it, but it will be like a charity thing, and that will be running through Gloomhouse uh, Publishing as well so i'm very excited about that because that's such a good theme i'm really looking forward to seeing the kind of uh fucked up kid stories that that people people come up with um
2: that title is like so up your alley
3: i know and i, so I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: obsessed i don't know if either you. of you did but i actually did i dropped a story over to them I mean, they haven't made their final list that i know of it closed um,
3: yesterday i think
1: yeah so ho- hopefully because I mean, that's a great cause i would love to be involved in it and also have you seen the covers that that the publisher oh there's i
2: have to google them gorgeous
3: i I do love a a, a good cover but also i think the the only thing that like that really drew me to it first of all aside from it being a charity anthology is the fact that it's um with Gloomhouse publishing it it's christina and marion from the mothers of mayhem podcast and they are Just two of the most ridiculously hilarious, charming, dedicated community members. They love all things horror and extreme horror. They're so supportive of the community as well. So um, big shout out to them uh, and to anyone who's looking to buy an anthology. When it comes out, we'll update more when we've got a a release date for it. I think that's going to be a really, really good one to get hold of. So, yeah, I'm excited for 2023. Also, Teen Wolf movie comes out in three weeks. (laughs) I can't can't stop. I just love it. I want it. I feel less guilty about it now because all of the teenage boys will have grown up, so I can lust after them and not feel creepy, which is good.
2: Oh, my God.
3: Oh, you'll watch it. You'll watch it just for the shirtlessness.
2: I think, you know, when we, if we ever start a Patreon, we'll have to do like an Elton live watch of Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: you do, do and an you El- can do Elton that lot. Elton live watch of, uh, <laughs> live watch the of that guy's that I watch occasionally.
1: That does these super intricate, like pretty little liars and glee, um, where he just like does these intricate webs of how everything is connected, and they take like two <laughs> hours, and he really leans into them. I love that. I do. Um. So, since we've been talking about the future, and because it fits with the the themology, whatever the word is, don't don't hate me for it. Elton, I make up my own words. I'm American. Okay, I'll let you um, get away with it. <laughs> I want to delve into the past. Delve, is that correct? I want to go oh, back.
2: Yeah. And, um, we're time traveling, baby.
1: We are all, at least minor fans of the horror genre, and we're all also similar in age. So let's talk about the 90s. Oh what let's go back was you know, the catalyst of the 90s, something that hit you in the 90s that really pushed you forward in this genre, um, maybe even inspired you to be a writer, however you wanted to answer it.
3: Oh my God, I've got a good one for this. I really do. Okay. So the year is 1993 and I am obsessed with Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is my gateway into horror movie. I don't care what you say. It is a creature feature through and through that movie was horrifying but beautiful it got me really interested in dinosaurs and I thought for a while that I was Laura Dern so um I used to save my pocket money up and I went to see that film nine times in the theaters (gasps) oh my god yeah that's amazing little eight-year-old me but the thing is I would go dressed as Laura Dern so I'd be wearing little khaki shorts and a little orange shirt with a neck scarf and some walking boots and a little hat and I would think that I was a a paleontologist and oh my god Yeah, and then after my obsession with that grew a little bit, I started trying to write my own fanfic version of Jurassic Park. It's called Lost Existence. I submitted it as an English coursework piece when I was at school. Uh, It was just basically the exact same theme as Jurassic Park, but some other people found dinosaurs on an island. (laughs) So yeah, Jurassic Park, absolutely. Please
2: tell me that your fanfiction, A, still exists and that there are pictures of you wearing this outfit.
3: No and no. I was a second child, so we didn't take pictures of me back then. Plus, also, it was all like actual cameras that you had to get developed, send away a little envelope uh, to, to get developed. That's, can, that's
1: the way they were when I was a kid, too. Yeah, um,
0: same. I'm
1: kind of it's glad you whole said that because camera thing. My story is so similar.
2: Oh my um, God. I want to uh, put this fanfic on our social media.
1: But mine was Blade. Um, oh. We, my best friend growing up's name was sergey and we we used to film i'm i'm doing air quotes because we didn't have a camera but we used to film ourselves in the blade trilogy doing them like we would be electrocuted in his tiny little living room fighting vampires (laughs) um that was an actual really...
3: blood sprinkler scene.
1: <laughs> it was very weird, and he he was he's an immigrant family, so his his parents um are Russian, and they just thought we were the weirdest kids in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they would pop in, and we're like vibrating on a chair pretending we're being electrocuted and they would just kind of like shake their heads and walk away.
3: <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm guessing you got into a lot of trouble when you started using some of the lines from it as well. Like, hey mom, you cock juggling thunder cunt. Can- <laughs> <laughs> so, we
1: did that and then we also uh, played a game. It was a zombie hunting game called Fear the Reckoning and we had to fight zombies in that and vampires. Um, so that that was mine. Or a, a computer game?
3: What was, that? Game. was that was a board game or a computer game?
0: Oh,
1: sorry, it was a I think like a PlayStation
3: game, maybe. Okay, there you
1: go. It was that we we had to play. I remember I played as the martyr character. She was a a young um, Asian schoolgirl type. I always chose the girl characters.
0: So,
3: yeah, I think if there was ever three people to exist that were always Chun Li playing Street Fighter, it's us, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's mine it's that's chelsea
1: please tell me you have a similar story to where you used to <laughs> cosplay or
2: i should have gone first because mine's like the least interesting but i was just gonna say like the i don't know maybe like the earliest memory of like getting into horror would probably be like watching are you afraid of the dark oh, I um love that. that show like there are still episodes of that and i couldn't even tell you like the names of them or when i watched them but that they like, don't still make stuck tv like head. that
3: anymore do they that
2: no like
3: even like, so good the fact that they've done the fear street movies on netflix now it's like more for an adult audience the kids horror tv show of the 90s were, were perfect all of them goosebumps yeah. do and you they guys were remember,
2: like, legit like, scary
3: <laughs> do you guys remember Erie, indiana yes that, that tv program i love that show very gay so there was something going on between max and that blonde head kid, and he wasn't called Max. He was called that in Hocus Pocus. What was he called? I can't remember. But yeah, that TV show was amazing. I used to love all stuff that was kind of a little bit eerie, a little bit X Filesy, but for kids. When when we and, were, yeah, was such a good and selection. when you were
1: watching that as a tiny baby, Elton, did you think in your wildest dreams one day I'm going to be hosting a podcast with a truck driving looking motherfucker from <laughs> Indiana? <laughs> yes, yes, I did.
3: I actually knew That's all you thought about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that, it, it took a while to get here. I had to, you know, I had to eat a lot of pizzas. <laughs> I had to, you know, try to go to university twice, live with my parents multiple times, but I got here. I got here, and now I've arrived.
0: So
3: yep, now, now I here. can talk about. We're doing Somry it. Katz starring in Erie, Indiana, for those what thirteen episodes, which I'm pretty sure are all on YouTube now. If you haven't watched oh it, God. please do. And
1: and so weird was the other one. Um theory Indiana and So Weird were kind of out yeah. at the same time with it. Was a McKenzie Phillips
3: um, that was in I don't
2: know the show at all. I'm gonna have to Google it.
3: it it's got Max from Hocus Pocus, the star in it. Oh yes, yes, yes he did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Team Marshall Teller is his name, I think.
1: Marshall Teller, yeah. So um up. and then the guy with the, the actual white hair. name is Max from Hocus Pocus.
2: Yeah, that's who I'm talking about.
1: No, that's his real name, Max from Opus Focus. Max. Oh, Opus right. Opus is called my, from my Opus bad. Opus in real life.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um. So Chelsea. Yes. I might have played a little trick. Um. So we're talking about the '90s, and a little bird told me that you have a fun new anthology releasing. Ah, that's what I call horror. With a '90s theme,
2: I do. Wow, it's so weird. What a coincidence that yes. we were just talking about the '90s. Oh
0: my god! So
3: you played such um, a good trick, Brett.
1: I wow, who saw it coming? Uh, so, what? Give us a small summary. What is ah? That's what I call horror. At least too appropriate. It. Ah! That's yeah.
3: like Thank horror. you.
2: No one gives it a lot enough oomph. Say, that was really
3: embarrassing. I'm going to have to cut that out.
2: <laughs> no, you're not I, allowed.
3: I say it as like a slight gasp. Like, ah. <laughs> it's just like a really weak orgasm.
2: And some <sighs> people say, ah, and I'm like, no, it's- ah, 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 that's what I call horror is an anthology of 90s horror. And this book has 14 short stories, all in the horror, weird genre um, from a variety of different authors. Um, and every story is inspired by, takes place in, or based on the '90s as an era. So we, um, as a group, just tapped into the weirdness of that time, and uh, we all kind of were inspired in different ways. And...
1: and and are we talking? We're talking the like the 1590s,
2: right? Yeah, the 1590s when so, Chelsea was um... born. It's <laughs> written in really, really old English. Um, She's
3: the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn because they were just a bit, a bit damp. So they just wouldn't set on fire.
2: Just damp witches. No, it's 1990s, correct. So we're talking
1: about. So yeah, think like
2: neon, like think like neon, flannel, grunge, Trapper Keepers, Lisa Frank, like all that wrapped into an anthology with scary shit.
1: That is all I
3: ever think about is those things. Okay, I don't right actually know there. what Lisa Frank is. Is that an American? Thing? <gasps> I've, don't been, know it, I've been reading Lucas. the stories, but, and everyone references Lisa Frank, but I, I don't know what it is.
2: I like, want to screen share. Hang on. Okay, Lisa Frank. First of all, you're not the first person to ask me this. One time my hairdresser asked me, and we had a whole discussion about Lisa Frank. That's
0: insane. Um, I, she's if- like
2: an artist. Uh-huh. Um, she has a whole line of products that were super popular when Brett and I were young children. Okay. Um, it's very rainbow, bright, animal print, stars, hearts. I
5: like, let me show you there's those. a lot of,
1: like, dolphins <gasps> and little baby, like, cheetahs that are, like, neon pigmented. <laughs> it's...
2: yeah. L- it's actually
1: dream. Actual. Yeah, honestly, my dream to own share. a van that I've converted into the Lisa Frank mobile. That's completely decked out in all Lisa Frank inside and out. And then I'm just gonna abandon my family and live in the Lisa Frank mobile. <laughs> but my <laughs> husband doesn't want to spend the money on it if I'm gonna abandon the family
3: for it. Oh wow! Okay. Can you see this yeah, this is gross. Beautiful. I love it. I love it.
2: Yeah, so like every little girl's like lunchbox backpack, uh, uh, uh,
3: every little girl, every I little girl and gay boy, thank you, every little <laughs>
2: girl and gay boy. Um, you know, like two pocket folders were really big back then. Mm-hmm. Trapper keepers, like anything that could oh, be. An I love me a
3: trapper keep. <laughs> right to get on google and, and buy myself a, a lisa frank trapper keeper just to feel extra special you
2: can probably like get a vintage one on ebay for like a thousand dollars anyway like mm, stickers galore like lisa frank was everything
3: okay thank you for that sorry i, I didn't mean to they make lisa
1: frank crocs presently
3: oh,
2: i've been trying God. to I score almost bought them
1: but i Why whenever i try to get them they're always sold out
3: okay you, you are aware you're millennials right you're not supposed to be wearing crocs
2: no they're Stop back it no they're not back yeah, they, they, are. They, they
3: never started there is something to be embarrassed about Stop. I care
1: very little what I'm
3: supposed <laughs> to be doing have you got those <laughs> have you got those little attachable testicles that you can get for the crocs
2: they're called gibbets and yes you,
3: you've, you've got <laughs> croc balls have you
2: <laughs> I do I almost you know why didn't I buy these gibbets I should maybe I'll do it today
3: okay get off Amazon and start telling us about your book again <laughs> <laughs> what was your question <laughs>
2: when
1: does the book release and in what formats
2: um it is due to come out january Take 25th your time.
1: if you need to shop for crack accessories
0: do that <laughs> yeah
2: here. we need a quick a quick break <laughs> for me to order these um the book comes out um january 25th um and that should be you know if everything goes well which this is my first yeah. time editing the anthology and uh, supply chain and whatnot so like knock on wood january 25th um and it should be out both in paperback and ebook formats um we are recording this in early january but it probably this will probably come out close to the release date um but there are a couple pre-orders open right now too but everybody should be able to get it
3: we will link it in the description underneath so you can get your copy uh whereabouts whereabouts are you selling it is it just amazon exclusively or have you got other platforms that you're selling it on
2: Nope. So it should be available kind of wherever you can buy books. So you will be able to get on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Apple Books. It'll be in the Ingram system, which probably if you purchase books, you probably aren't aware of the system because it's all behind the scenes. But um, what it means is that it'll be easy for like libraries to find it. So please request it from your library. That would be amazing. Um, As well as like indie booksellers. So um, it'll be in the system where bookstores can order it to to sell it um it'll be on like bookshop.org and stuff too i can't Um, wait to
3: see a wild copy of "Ah!" that's what i call 90
2: oh my god that would make my life um
3: if anybody spots one out in the wild you have to take a picture and send it into us on our twitter which is at cutthroat horror so yeah please please do that
2: um and then i'm currently working on getting the ebook sold at godless.com too so they do a lot of they sell indie horror um ebooks so you can kind of skip amazon so
3: yeah they're a digital only yeah. platform as well so they don't do any paperbacks or anything they are exclusively right. digital which is yeah very- but
2: it's hard um it's hard to get your books into like non big box i don't know i know amazon's kind of the enemy but it's tough it's tough to like get noticed especially if you don't have a big name right ride- that you're writing on without yeah. it so oh. it was important to me to at least try to get it into some like
3: yeah. not
2: evil areas as and, well and international
3: but... seller um postage rates as well if you were selling it from a, a specific oh. store in america it would be really difficult uh, in terms of like if someone in australia or somebody in yeah in um, sort of the Eastern countries, wanted to buy it that the expense would be just astronomical. So Amazon does have its purpose, but yeah, if you can buy it from an indie publisher or, or an alternative thing, we do we do ask that you do that because authors make yeah. a lot, authors and, and publishers make a lot more money from from indie sources than they do from Amazon. And Amazon take um, one curve. thing,
1: this is hmm. for you, Chelsea, and then also you know otherwise, a couple of anthos that I've been in, they've actually they were indie. And attack that they took is they sent out a form and asked for everybody that's in the anthology to just give a couple of local bookstores that they're oh, in. Oh, that's really cool. And oh, that's great idea, yeah. sometimes you can, they'll just get the books, and sometimes they'll offer up a consignment, so you can buy the copies of the books and give them, and then they'll sell them for you there. Um, so that's an option. Indie booksellers, self-pubbed authors, anthologists, whatever, up and coming. Publishing yeah. houses, yeah. Some it, some bookstores will do that, especially the the smaller
3: mom-pop indie ones.
2: That's cool. They That's are cool. our bread
3: and butter as well. We need those places. So if we can support mm-hmm. them, we try to as, yes. as much as possible. I don't think Jeff Bezos really needs any more of our money, and I think his staff need a break. So if you can get them from a, a bricks-and-mortar indie bookshop down the, down the road from where you live, and then go for it, go do it.
2: Yeah. Um, There's lots so, so of options. Yeah. How did Sorry.
1: you end up editing this little beauty?
3: Yeah. Why you? Is it because of the Lisa Frank? Is it just because of that? that
2: yeah. I had the Lisa Frank clout, so they picked me. <laughs> um. So it's an interesting project. So this whole anthology started um, with a writing group that I'm a part of, um, which is some friends, acquaintances, just like horror writers um, gathered on the internet. Um. We were like, hey, let's write an anthology together. We'll just like pick a theme and we'll all write a story and make it a book and we'll put it out. Um, So that went well. Um, There, I don't know, there ended up being 14 of us. There were a couple more in and out. Life happens. People, you know, get distracted or stuff comes up and they have to drop out. But um, as a group, we picked a theme and we picked the 90s, 90s, 90s horror, um, and then we all kind of went off and did some drafting and then we like exchanged and did like critiques of each other and, um, did a couple rounds of that. So we got a lot of like beta reading, like Brett was talking about earlier and feedback and, you know, edits and that kind of stuff. Um, and once all the stories were complete, um, you know, I think there's a realization of like, oh, this is, this is going to be tough to do with 14 people voting unanimously on, on everything we want to do. Um, and i think i had kind of taken over like a little bit of the organizational role throughout like the process of that. drafting and and sharing <laughs> yeah.
0: i'm surprised she that does that by that often. i can't
2: <laughs> help it <laughs> she's
0: just
3: so organized she loves the spreadsheet
1: so the the funnest bit is that i feel like we wouldn't even manage to get online without Chelsea <laughs> because she,
3: <laughs> she keeps elton and i
1: completely wrangled
3: uh, you know, we, we were going to do the yet, whole thing so. through semaphore <laughs> and uh, like carrier pigeons, but she was like, "No, we can use Zoom." You've heard of Zoom, right?
2: Thanks, yeah, Chelsea. so they make me do all the logistics. Um, okay, so where was I? Yeah, so this group um, nominated me to be the editor, and I was like, "Hell yeah, I'll give it a shot." So I've learned a lot. I definitely could not have done it if I wasn't surrounded by people who have like sort of dabbled both in like self-publishing and trad publishing. Traditional publishing, um, who kind of already had some wisdom and were like happy to share it. So, um, total noob and uh, just just getting through it.
1: <laughs> it looks great, though. It, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Thanks. Yes, we. I'm excited to like. Copies. We are yeah, very lucky. These,
2: these two have arcs, and there are. I pulled out a few more tricks from my sleeve to put in the final. So, um, hopefully, that'll keep people coming back and checking out the final version
3: yeah but yeah. like aesthetically the even the cover itself is it's a reflection of those those uh cd compilations from the 90s the, now that's what i call music ones yeah. just done in, in beautiful neon hand drawn and i believe the author for that um the the artist that you picked who was that
2: that's cassie daly she's amazing um so back even before i was the official editor Um, We had, like, you know, as a group talked about, like, potential cover artists and that sort of stuff. And, you know, we didn't have a huge budget. um, So we, like, had that in mind. Um, But I was, like, kind of from the start, I'm, like, I don't care how much it costs. I want Cassie to do this. Like, this is, like, her vibe 100%. Like, rainbow horror, like, plus, like, really great illustrating skills. Like, I was, like, I want her. Um, And luckily, like, I mean, not luckily, like she earns it. She's a wonderful person, but a lot of everybody in the anthology is like, hell yeah, let's go with, go for that. Like she's just a perfect fit. And working with her was like an absolute dream, like just exchange information. I sent her like some, some summaries of the stories. And we like chatted back and forth about, she asked like really great questions. Like what kind of vibe are you going for? Like what kind of color scheme? And just like super thorough. Um, and then when we saw the like proof or the, I don't know, draft come back from Cassie, it was like spot on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You she, both have she's seen it. Int- I think it's She's an it's indie amazing. author as
3: well, isn't she? As well as an artist. So she just, she's one of us. So
2: yes, we love yes.
3: it It's insanely gorgeous.
1: Um, does she have a website or, or an Instagram or a link or something?
2: Um, yes. Okay. So we'll have that in there. Goes.
1: Um,
3: What about the internal um artwork chelsea was that all um kathy as well
2: no cassie did not do any of the internal illustrations um those were done by two people in the project so one of them is pl mcmillan and she has a story in the anthology as well um and she has done interior illustrations for like a bunch of collections and anthologies um, I believe she's open for commissions. Um, she does great work. I'm wearing a sweatshirt with one of her illustrations on it now. She's also smiling um, as
3: if you can see her not realizing this is an audio podcast. And we're
2: not I can't help each it. <laughs> even like when I ask, this is tangent, but when someone's like, can you take a picture of us? Like I smile, even though I'm taking the picture. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So PL did half of the illustrations on the other half were done by Jenny Kiefer, Um. She doesn't have a story in this anthology, but she's just kind of part of the writing community that we are a part of. She has other work out, um, and you may recognize her name because she is a co-owner of a brand new indie bookstore in yeah. Louisville, I believe, mm-hmm. yeah. um, called Butcher Cabin Books. It's yes. called Butcher yeah, Cabin yeah. Books. Yeah. Um, yeah I, just, so I was she just did picturing have the have red on the
3: outside, like the red blood. I know. Down. I just like, oh, what's it called, though? I can picture it so clearly in my head.
2: Yeah, and I think their social media account is horror bookstore. So I was like, I know that's not what it's called. But anyway. So those were our three artists. Um it was really nice having PL involved in the process because she kind of was like our art liaison. Um and I don't dabble in illustrations at all, but obviously she does. So she kind of like did a lot of the like discussions with Cassie and I don't know. I think like talking artists to artists is probably You know pretty helpful um yeah
1: definitely yeah
2: like when they ask for feedback i'm like what kind of feedback can we give is it rude like
3: (laughs) writing feedback versus artistic feedback very different yeah
2: because i her vision was perfect so anyway um and so MPL also organized like between her and jenny like who was taking which um illustration so she was a great little little organizer of, of the art
1: um so who, who was it that actually formatted the end of manuscript? Did you have to do that or did you get some outside help with it?
2: Um, I've worked with Carson winter, who is also one of the authors in the anthology. So yeah. he has some experience. Um, he did, what's it called? He has a collection of no- novelettes um, with a couple other authors. So he had done some formatting work. Bloodlines. That that- bloodlines, yeah. Bloodlines, yeah. Bloodli- that's um, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, that collection's fantastic. Um, So yeah, so he, I did like, kind of like outlined the vision of things, but he kind of knows like how it all works in the software. I believe mm-hmm. we used Vellum, if that is interesting to anybody. um i don't but know yeah, what it that is, means yeah it's, <laughs> i don't it's understand
3: just, the question nor do i care to answer it
2: <laughs> um it's just the background software so but it is i learned a lot about like how particular you need to be and like alignments and running headers and you know shit that you know you always take for granted when you're reading a book but so carson was a huge help there
3: good old carson he's got a mm. release coming up in march i think doesn't he he's a uh... The uh, book coming out from Tenebrous Press in March. We will link that below yeah. because we love Carson.
2: Yeah, that's called Soft Targets. And I'm, um, yeah, that'll be good.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, so I,
1: this, I read this. It, um, well, carry I can't remember the name of it. He had a novella, He had, it's still out. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's about Are you
2: talking about reunion special.
1: Reunion. Thank you. Uh, that was a great one. It's got a beautiful, like, bright yellow cover um I I wish that it was longer (laughs) I I wasn't done with it by the time that it ended but um so check that one out as well if you
3: get the chance Carson Winter reunion special
0: yeah he's a great writer all
3: about all of these and we'll we'll make sure we include them in the description notes Mm -hmm. as well so you can link straight across to good places to to buy all of these authors that we we love and we're trying to hype so yeah yeah
2: and Carson's um his story in Ah, that's what I call horror, <laughs> which I kind of dub Ah Twitch because that's what it, if you take the first letters. So. <laughs> um, his story, he wrote it as like a screenplay, so it was like really unique. Um, mm-hmm. ki- and he kind of played off the like '90s sitcom, like Boy Meets World, the laugh yeah. track kind of situation.
3: It was a really, really cool, different story. That one, it's uh, yeah. yeah.
1: I just um, yeah. so I you mentioned it. that you you learned a lot with working with Carson on like the, that formatting and that it was surprising to you type of work. Um, What was the biggest surprise for you in your first foray into the editing side
2: of things? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, like I said, I went in knowing nothing and there are a lot of, excuse me. (laughs) There are a lot of parts, (laughs) Um, you know, there's formatting and then there's the whole publishing side and then like especially as like a small operation, like marketing is like, it's kind of a a grind and that stuff I really enjoyed. So I would not call that a, the biggest obstacle to me, but some people do not like talking about themselves all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people don't like the grind on social media and like tagging, um, I guess I'll just call it tagging and nagging people. Um, like, I, and I even warned like my my IRL friends I was like my social media is going to be really annoying so I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) please don't unfollow me just just mute me if you're not interested in reading Um, but yeah the marketing is a lot of work Um, but I think to me and this wouldn't be necessarily the biggest obstacle for somebody else but my name isn't really out there yet Um, so contacting people for like blurbs and stuff um, I felt like I didn't really have a good foot in the door with a lot of people. Um, luckily, indie horror is relatively welcoming, um, and so we were able to get a few. Um, but I think it's just like, hey, you, you've never heard of me. You want to read this book, and then and then put your name on it too. Like it's a kind of a big <laughs> ask. <laughs> yeah. And they're probably like, all right, loser. Like, let me see your ni- Like your '90s story is okay, but um, luckily. Hopefully this will, you know, just make it easier in the future. So, yeah.
0: And
3: in terms um, so if of the, you were give... marketing, sorry, can I, just, can I just ask as well, in, in terms of the marketing yeah. as well, have you taken on the, the the brunt of the marketing for it, or is it a, more of a collective in terms of the, the people who are participating in the authorship as well?
2: Um, I definitely took on mo- the biggest role, and I made like a press kit for all the authors. So I'm like, here are some things you can say, here are the right links, like here are some images you can use. Um, in addition to commissioning Cassie to do the art, to do the cover art, um, I also commissioned her to make us a bunch of social media promo cards. Um, and I know that that's something she's planning to offer in the new year. So if that, if you as an author are interested in like a package like that, Cassie's open for commissions. Um, so anyway, I put that all in one place for everybody to use. Um, but I definitely took on a brunt of like, you know, tweeting, Instagramming. Um, I'm the one who reached out to a lot of the like ARC reviewers. Um, I will say one another of the authors in the anthology, Caleb Stevens. He recently went through all of this with his own collection, which was fantastic. Um, So he gave me a ton of advice um, and he was a real help um, getting off the ground in some ways. Um, One of the biggest things I'm glad he pushed on me was using book sirens. So, um, you all may be familiar with like arcs and getting advanced reader copies, and there's some websites that facilitate that. So a lot of people sign up for like NetGalley, for instance, yeah. wow. I think that's probably the biggest one. Um, the downside to NetGalley yeah. is in, at, I don't participate in it cause I'm a slow reader. So, but <laughs> I think that like the, there might not be much like curation and like book content to reader. And I might be wrong about that, but, um, I think maybe the pool is a lot bigger, but with book sirens, um, we basically you pay like per copy you hand out. So it you know does take a little bit of an investment, but I have found that the matches are really well. And so like the people picking up this book, like horror, for instance, and like mm-hmm. like an anthology. So like, you're not <laughs> getting people who are like, I love romance and I picked up this book, one star, I hated it. It's like, yeah, well, you weren't you weren't really the target audience. Um,
3: <laughs> this wasn't for you, Karen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Book Sirens has been a, a really great tool. We've had um pretty good interest from that. Um, so that would be a tip I would recommend to somebody. Oh, that's
3: very cool. Book sirens, we'll we'll link them. We'll link everything.
2: Yeah. And they've done their um, they have a social media presence and they have like promotion our book a couple times on that which has been really cool
1: awesome and since you mentioned that that was a tip is there any other advice you can think of as a first-time editor to another first-time editor anthologist
2: um don't be afraid to ask questions um i've had like numerous um like zoom calls with people being like tell me everything about publishing (laughs) 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 what do i need to know like how do i make like you know you kind of have to form your own schedule and deadlines. So like getting all the information up front really helps you kind of put that into perspective. Um, and then on the creative side, like maybe trust your gut a little bit. Um, I know like one of the most fun parts for me, but also took a really long time was coming up with the order of stories. Um, and a couple of times I like tried to run it by somebody else who had read a lot of them. And they would have like opposite opinions and I was like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) um but it makes you second guess yourself and in the end I just went with what I thought and I've so far gotten pretty good feedback about how it came out but um you know I think in some cases you're the editor you're in charge you need to make a final decision and sometimes deciding things is really hard for people so trust trust yourself you
3: love a micromanage moment so you were perfect for it
2: (laughs) am I I Maybe I'm a little bit of a micromanager. I'm just a project manager. She I hits people, us when no one's looking. Keep people honest. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I delegated roles appropriately and everything got done.
1: So I far. feel like you are an asset to every situation. Um, I do. It's <laughs> like you, you do, you manage things very well. You, Yeah, absolutely. understand how to organize work in a digestible way. Um, I sorry that's it's weird and not relevant to the podcast, but I'm not surprised that you were the editor, and I will not be surprised when this book takes off because of all the hard work
0: you put into it. Yeah,
3: I I smell um, Sno- uh, Stoker buzz for this one. I I think it uh, should uh, very much make it to their readers list. I want it to. It's such a good book. Oh,
2: yeah. that's so. Cool. Um, Thank you. And
3: since you
1: themed it after the now, that's what I call it, music line.
2: All right. Uh, don't get me sued.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Um since didn't do that. And it has no relevance at all to that. Um
2: total coincidence. Is there
1: and ah, that's what we call horror number two on the horizon.
2: Um there is not a formal plan for one. Um what's kind of fun is that a few readers perhaps one on this call, even Brett, um, <laughs> have ex- have expressed interest in being like, oh, my God, I I totally have a 90s idea. And, and so, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, you could probably put a whole nother anthology of these together. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how reception of this goes. Like, so far, advanced reception is pretty good, but the pool is small. Um, I would so, encourage everyone
3: uh, to write a story about a little boy dressed as Laura Dern spending his pocket money watching Jurassic Park.
2: that would be such a good story um yeah so no formal plans but like the door is definitely not closed um since this started as a group project there was not like a submission call and that might be something I would be interested in um so that was a huge like something off my list like off the table or off my shoulders I should say like I didn't I didn't read slush for this like we just Mm -hmm. all we had our pool from the start
1: all right, so we are going to take a quick break here. Um, Elton, I know you've got other stuff to do, so we I know you're not going to be back to join us for this second bit, but coming up here after this little break, we are going to have Edith Lockwood and C.B. Jones um, sitting with Chelsea Pumpkins from their relative spaces on the planet, and we will get to discuss with them their contributions to the 90s anthology that we were discussing ah that's what i call horror chelsea do you want to do the scream
2: ah (laughs) that's That's what what i call call horror horror.
0: So
1: we are back. And like I said previously, we have um, CB Jones and Edith Lockwood here. Um, would you guys, or both of you, just real quick, let us know like, what are your preferred pronouns?
5: Uh, he, him.
1: Okay.
4: And she, her.
1: She, her. All right, perfect. Um, so, CB, what was the story called that you contributed to? Uh, that's what we call
5: horror. It was called, yeah called uh the one with the mysterious package which is a take on the um the friends uh episodes
0: mm, like the, uh,
5: their yeah. naming convention of the friends episodes I, I thought one of us in the collection should use should use that and no one did it so i stepped in <laughs> <laughs> perfect
1: that's a missed opportunity you should have just done the whole thing with yeah. the, the Friends episode <laughs> callback and
4: edith uh first and last album drop.
1: Okay, so one thing we want to do here is just a quick icebreaker, um, just to get yourself used to chatting with us on this. Um, So the question for all three of you is going to be, um, so name one thing that you miss about the 1990s, and one thing that you'd never want to see return. Um, Chelsea, do you want to start us off with the answer?
2: Oh, okay. I was like, I gotta think about this. Um, I'm going to do a weird thing and I'm going to pick the same thing for both. And it's like the inability to, okay. So in the nineties, you couldn't record your shows on a DVR and you couldn't really watch on demand and there was no streaming. So like when a show was on the whole world was watching it, which was really cool. Um, and it like created this excitement around it. You know, you everyone would like huddle up around the family TV and like, as soon as the commercial hit, you'd like sprint to the bathroom or like get whatever you needed and make it back in time. Um, so on one hand, I think that that feeling was really of its time and like, I feel nostalgic about it. But on the other hand, I do like the accessibility of being able to watch anything on my time and binge it. So I have the same answer for both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already breaking the rules. You should have had <laughs> me go last.
5: <laughs> Can we comment on this? or like the answers yeah i I think like the last one that was like that which probably be the last maybe the last one that will ever be like that is was game of thrones as far as like the hype you know everyone would watch it on sunday night and even then it was less than like something like lost you know yeah finales or seinfeld that's a good point i think like
2: the difference now is like even though you can watch it whenever it's like because of social media now you're exposed to spoilers so it is like mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah. how it's come back around a little bit you have
1: to watch it instantly i i, I don't know much about sports but i i mean sports i think sports. might get yeah. enjoyed simultaneously <laughs> if i'm understanding it correctly like they don't
2: break my answer <laughs>
1: They, ruining they the magic to... of the 90s. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, did did you also have an answer for that, CB? You know, what was your oh, the thing the, you missed most?
5: Yeah, I got this question in advance. I had a list, but I'll, I'll stick it to <laughs> keep it one.
2: You're not, that's a secret. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was go- going back and forth. Uh, I, I really miss, um, this kind of goes into Chelsea's. Uh, I miss video stores um you know the accessibility thing you can find just about anything but there is stuff like that falls off that you can't find at times that just gets removed from streaming but just video stores like the going you know with your friends like towards the end of the night or that was part of the event you know going and browsing and trying to find the movie if they didn't have it then you had to like regroup and you know that was just part of a socialization activity in and of itself stopping at the video store
0: yeah
1: i had a friend that was a blockbuster gold member and we we did we used to walk to blockbuster and get all these movies and it was a whole event
2: our blockbuster like in the town i grew up with the blockbuster building is still there and like whenever i drive home to visit my family i like get a little wave. I'm like, Oh, Buckbuster. Yeah,
0: it's a <laughs> I think it's a bank store. now. No. So it's like
2: boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's one thing you'd leave behind? Sorry. I'm not uh, supposed to be interviewing.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Um,
5: I, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think everybody has one of those fashion things. It just really gets under their skin. Um, like my, I have a friend that's like irrationally hates Crocs, like <gasps> shoes, but for, and the, so this might like piss some people off, but uh, Jinkos, I was never a fan of Jinkos. I'm kind
1: of, I I, I don't know. Are they coming back? back?
5: You? Oh, thank I, you. A- <laughs> a- I a- was a- never a Jinko JNCO kid. Yeah.
0: And
2: then, <laughs> All right, we're anti-Jenko on this podcast. Apparently. We did talk about Crocs earlier in this episode, though, so yeah, it's that's, very strange oh, yeah, yeah, that random. you brought it back. <laughs>
1: we talked about Lisa Frank Crocs, so. It's a whole different beast but Lisa Frank is very important um, how about you Edith what was your favorite thing about the 90s and something that you might leave behind
4: um I think one of my favorite things was like the mall was still like a cool place to go I mean I don't I don't know what the kids these days do but you know like, that was it like you would go to the mall and you would go to like Sabaros or whatever and you know go to the same goodies like your CDs you check the bookstore like the CNF next book in your series was out like it was just like a magical exciting place um and i I really miss
2: that the food court was like everything back then
4: yes Yes. (laughs)
1: and and like all the mall employees knew each other like it was a whole like dichotomy to being a mall employee so i yeah did anybody here work
5: at the mall nope yeah i never did Uh, we didn't we didn't have a mall in my town we had to drive like 30 or 45 minutes. But it was always a special, special trip. Yeah.
2: So special occasion.
5: But, yep. Yeah. So what would you leave behind? Edith?
4: <laughs> um, I would leave behind uh, <laughs> the lack of TV. I grew up like in the country. So we had like <laughs> six channels, and that was it. Um, yeah. So I don't miss that.
1: But that might have, you know, pushed you towards books. Potentially. Yeah. I say and
4: I I would reread the same books like until they fell apart because you know. Oh, no there's only six television channels. So yeah. Oh, very cool.
1: I <laughs> so were any of those like the well-known ones at least. Did you have like CBS? Did you get Arthur or Free Disney or anything? <laughs> or were you watching yep. Ag Day?
4: Definitely CBS, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, I remember, and that's all I can remember <laughs> That's
2: the only one that matters
4: yeah
1: <laughs> right but yeah um so obviously the icebreaker was the 90s because the theme of the of, you know all of the awesome stories that you guys put into ah that's what I call
2: say it with horror. feeling
1: <laughs> I can't do the scream I don't have it <laughs> so um so I know that this was a, a little bit different as, as far as anthologies go because you didn't like respond to a sub whatever you kind of got together put this idea together and, and made it happen together so how did you individually approach the 90s theme for it like did you let the era inspire you or did you have an existing seed of an idea that you kind of shoved into the time zone um I guess the um, you wanted to start
5: I I don't know I've, I've kind of like written a bunch of uh teen or child protagonists and short stories and stuff and I kind of go back to what I'm uh, familiar with which is 90s or early 2000s so I've I've had other stories um, that were 90s set that I thought well recycling and then I wanted to try something new and
0: um, so you're asking how we were inspired by it yeah, yeah. Did you
1: did you like just think of '90s and see what came to you about
5: '90s, or I did you have
0: an idea in. already? That
5: you, yeah, no, uh, I think. yeah, I just it just kind of came yeah. with the call. Um, um, and uh, I don't I don't know. I just just how, how do we get any of our ideas? I mean, I thought about um, slight. It's really slight spoiler on my story what would happen um if you had a cell phone in the 90s that was with somehow magically had the infrastructure in place that had all the bells and whistles that we have on our cell phones now like gps and all that stuff and then how would that change your experience and like what we take for granted now so um that's kind of the approach i took
0: yeah
1: yeah and yours kind of had, uh, like, a slight feel to the, um, like, the lake house kind of dynamic, and, I like, was is that a 90s so. movie?
5: Is, is, that it? The rom- yeah. is that the rom-com?
2: Is that the one with, yep. like, Sandra
5: Bullock?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where they... Is it? Yeah, it's totally 90s. Sandra, yeah. they, they, oh, they through a mailbox.
2: Is it? It is. Okay, no, yeah. that was 2006, so... Yeah. So now you're, you're canceled. You lost your 90s so card. So we going to pretend I didn't
1: say that.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
4: it off the podcast. It, it. <laughs> it feels
1: very 90s though. Um, so it's a good thing you didn't drop that as your inspiration. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> um. How about you, Edith? What was, did you have something like immediately did 90s hit you or did you pop yours into there? Um. Yeah,
4: I would say like, so like I was, a younger kid like through the 90s so like the older like teenage kids like were like the was, like the epitome of cool like that was it like so that's what I wanted to write here was like this teenage girl who's you know in the goth scene or like the rocker scene and you know she's so cool because like my inner child just like desperately wanted to be that even though I was like you know like six or seven I was just like oh that's so So in that way, like I kind of got to live that out um, in this story and be one of the cool kids, even though Edith or the um, Nona is actually quite young in the story, like she's really a kid, but um, yes, but it it was a lot of fun for me to like pretend like I was one of those kids in that era, you know, even though I was you know watching like Rugrats and stuff Same. to be
0: honest yeah
1: I mean I would still probably watch Rugrats and I stuff. think Rugrats um, was like pretty progressive really for its time. Though, I will say, <laughs> say. yeah um it, it was definitely gentle parenting <laughs> but I mean it, it sounds like it was pretty cathartic for your you know inner child to get to Absolutely, and, and do their and like, thing so that you didn't get to. Do I think before. like yeah. both
2: of the teens in yeah. your story, yeah, I had like just were so great and so of the time too. They were <laughs> spot on nineties. I loved it. Um, when we Chelsea? started this project, I think I went through like probably a half dozen ideas. Like we had like a running sheet of like I. It's kind of like you call dibs on something, so no one else like really steps on your toes and I feel like I changed my mind like a ton of times like I was like let's do Tamagotchis no let's do um the Macarena no like I changed my mind a thousand times um and then again spoiler for my story maybe Elton can put a spoiler sound but um I like decided to like play around with the character of Carmen Sandiego Diego. Um, that was a show that I watched like after school a lot, um, cause my grandparents didn't have a lot of channels either. And that's where I went after school in the nineties. Um, and then I had like recently wrote a drabble, which for people listening, don't know, is a exactly 100 word story, um, about the hat man, which is like a sleep paralysis phenomenon and like a bunch of people around the world, um, see the same character and i was like okay well Carmen Sandiego has a hat and like let's see how we can make those go together so that was uh that's where i ended up so i like tapped into i was like let's think of everything 90s and that's kind of how i approached my idea (laughs) my ideas (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) like all of the things and see what happens um and for yours i guess this is a natural progression into the next one so i guess we could just start with you again chelsea so did you have an underlying theme or message you were trying to portray i know you mentioned that it was about the sleep paralysis so like man
2: again spoilers but um as you read the story like this kid is haunted by this figure that she sees at night um and it seems like this is a really um what's the word like malignant um, presence. Um, and the kid ends up hiring a medium and the medium contacts us, and there's a lot of cool horror in the middle. Um, and I kind of had like a moment of, all right, is the spirit bad or good? And I remember like, I took a few days to decide on it and then I decided I wanted it to be good. Um, and so really that spirit was like trying to, the hat man was trying to protect her. And so I think like the theme I wanted to come through was, um, this kid experienced some trauma and she confronts that. And for some people forgetting something is the best way to move on. And that is an approach presented in the story, but for other people like confronting it and, um, processing it is a better way for them to move on. And so that was like the theme I wanted to come through.
1: Yeah, I, I will say I, when I read your story, I believe it was an earlier draft, you know, we were chatting about it, um, and I think the feedback that I gave then was just how vividly you captured the sleep paralysis, because I'd never actually encountered that in Lit, like, I'd never read it. I do suffer from that. I don't yeah. see a hat man or anything, but I do have sleep paralysis, um, and it was just so on point with the way that it oh thank you yeah I just I want to say I like it was a really cool
2: theme to like explore in the second person perspective too because like it could get pretty visceral or I tried anyway
1: (laughs) um how about you Edith did you have any themes or underlying messages that you were trying to portray besides trying to you know stoke your inner child
4: (laughs) yeah I was trying to feel cool um (laughs) I think the story really for me was, like, about um, disclosure of trauma or, like, how people uh, express their trauma. Um, And, like, the character Nona, like, doesn't really have the tools, like, as a 15-year-old to, like, really talk about, like, what's happened to her. So she's, like, changed her persona and she is writing, you know, this music and she's, like, trying to, like, talk about what has happened to her, but she's um, not really able to communicate it. Um, So I wanted to give her, like, that moment of catharsis, like, in the climax of the story where she is, like, able to say um, what has happened to her. Um, I think, like, uh, the Me Too movement has made people a lot more comfortable about disclosing trauma. um, But I think a lot of people are also still not comfortable about it um, for lots of valid reasons. Um, So, you know, we hide it in art or you know hiding pain in art and writing and the music and I wanted to um explore that through this character
1: I, I think you were really <laughs> successful in it 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 all reads I'm trying to think of <laughs> the right way to, to put it 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 does come through like so the way that Sorry, I my words. tell me.
2: Oh, actually. okay. Just read your mind. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, I, I do this sometimes. <laughs> I think like it was really <laughs> like when I was reading your story, you go you take this like journey with the character where at first. Like it was kind of like you were saying, like, like Nona's cool. You want to be Nona, she's in a band, like she's wearing fishnets, she's really cool. And then like you start as the reader, start to kind of connect the dots. And like, I, I just like wanted to give her a hug because you could see how she was projecting things that were happening to her. Um, but yeah, I think you did it like really, really wonderfully. Like there were like the little hints in the reveal, I thought just like really hit me right in the heart. And I love your story. <laughs> Are those the words you were looking I for? You, Brett? <laughs> I needed to
1: say thank you <laughs> because I full disclosure, I haven't mentioned it before, but I have this like weird fibromyalgia thing where like, suddenly in mid-sentence Aww. my words will just disappear <laughs> i'm like I oh, crap, I'm frozen <laughs> i can't grasp them so that just happened
5: um, oh on Tag i was gonna yeah um, edith i liked that. her i liked her story a lot as well so uh, i was gonna ask if did it have any influence any 90s movies influence it i think there's that one <laughs> it's,
4: it's funny you say that actually i thought i thought it was empire records when um you guys were talking about the anthology so i like sat down and watched it and it's like super nostalgic it's not a super great movie like it's kind of like weirdly um but uh, i just wanted to capture like that feeling of like oh we work in a record store and it's so cool we can do whatever we want like i wanted to capture that feeling like for nona and there's another
0: 90s
5: movie i think where the the metal band goes and hijacks the radio station I try to do a similar thing so I don't know. Oh, <laughs> that no. was
0: like...
2: What movie is it?
5: I think it's called Airheads because they're trying to get on the air.
2: I was just thinking of Coneheads and I was like, what? <laughs> <You> <laughs> saw me,
1: saw me off to Google.
2: That's not what I remember. Didn't happen heads. in Coneheads.
5: I don't I don't know who's in Airheads. Some classic nineties <laughs> people but
2: Brennan Fraser. I yeah, just Googled and Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. Wow, this is a stacked oh, movie. wow. That none of us have ever seen, except for Steve i <laughs> I've
5: never seen it. I just know, like, the premise, and <laughs> yeah. And then was it also touching on Clear, clear Channel? Wasn't that part of the slight spoiler? Uh, the demons or people were representing Clear Channel? Yes.
4: Yeah, like, I always thought that was really cool when I would read about things like um, like Weird Al getting his start because Dr. Demento like decided to play him on his radio station. And I feel like everything is like so regimented right now. And, you know, it's all the same artists and the same songs. And I have like nostalgia for that time where it was like, you know, some. DJ I liked your music, like you could get it played on the radio. And, and I, I think you're was, like the yeah, only
2: really person cool. who really wrote mm-hmm. like a radio story too, and that is like so quintessential of that era. Like now, I couldn't even tell you what's on the radio. Like I just listen really, to Spotify, yeah, it really and is. it's a totally different experience. Yeah, and, and
1: that I I will say that yours hit the '90s itch very very sufficiently for for me. It felt. <laughs> Right, like because the hanging out at Sam Goody, like waiting for your parents, because you know parents back in the day they would just kind of leave you and wander around doing their own thing. I mean, it was just all, yeah. If it well, how about you, CB? Did you have any underlying messages that you were trying to send? uh, Yeah, I mean,
5: at first, kind of blush. This was more of a secondary theme, but it's more prominent. It's it's like. Or it might be the takeaway that a lot of readers might get is phones are bad or cell phones are bad. But I never would subscribe to anything that simple of a message because the character uh, actually uses the phone to uh, push against the anonymous sender who sent him this mysterious package, which turns out to be a cell phone. He's communicating to him through the cell phone. He's trying to get him to do a certain thing. And he's using the cell phone to kind of go against the um, intended goal so that's that's kind of you know kind of the message that uh, just kind of um, I don't know that <laughs> phones are not good or bad, but they just kind of are and to kind of look at what we have available to us now versus then and then the other uh, part of it was just first loves or high school romances and trying to um uh examine those and how important they can seem at the time so you you ended up
1: taking kind of an interesting approach where you you took modern technology and threw it back in time to show the '90s characters interacting with that, um, in a lot of spaces they they kind of do the opposite, where you know like the modern characters interacting with the stuff from the past. What what was your mindset in making that choice to take the '90s story and infuse the, um, the modern oh, yeah, technology into it? To, um,
5: like Arthur, C. Clark quote that any technology is indistinguishable from magic that quote stuck with me when I was thinking about sending a cell phone back into time because I mean these things are pretty wild how much information we have in our hands in our pockets at all times that I mean all this knowledge that you can access with you know you know a few clicks or swipes and that's what I was, I was trying, the story kind of, you know, evolved and, um, it was going to be like, what kind of trouble he could get in with the cell phone back then. But then it was more about who sent it back and what their goal was.
2: It had like a really cool, um, like trying to fight fate aspect of uh, it too. Yeah, which is really, yeah. I like that a lot.
5: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Um, And I do have to give you uh, some credit because (laughs) the the novelty of the 90s can't be understated and also can't be understated is these insane
2: (laughs) memes that you've
1: been creating to promote this anthology. I see them on Facebook, Chelsea shows them to me, these movies like
2: wait like we need to explain these to the listeners who have not seen them like we're talking like cb's (laughs) photoshopping the cover onto the the door with rose (laughs) and titanic like there are videos of the book like superimposed in jurassic park and in pulp fiction like they're so funny and like a Nirvana cover anyway yeah, you oh, need yeah. To tell us I forgot
5: about Nirvana yeah yeah that was Matt came up with the idea I mean, oh. it's not even yeah I'm not skilled at photoshop at all it's just like ms paint so okay, whatever <laughs> I can do with that but the videos is all uh that's all child labor my daughter's got a tablet and is pretty proficient with it and she made these little she made a little short movie that's pretty cute um a while back and i she was making other little comedic videos and i was like hey can you do this and this and i just described what i wanted and it would have taken me hours and she cranked it out like 30 minutes just on her ipad nice Yep.
2: that's awesome do you have any yeah do you have any advice for Uh, other anthology (laughs) um publishers or editors of how to how to get attention on social media.
5: Well like I feel like Twitter I've really struggled with I hate the word engagement, but I mean that's what it is. Like yeah. knowing you know that people are looking at your stuff or interacting with it. Like it's gone down in the past few months. Of course like I guess the takeover of Elon but um or however they've changed things on the algorithm but like it's hard to get a foothold and even these I feel like months ago these would have got a lot more traffic than they than they would have but uh I get I mean TikTok I, I don't know it's still pretty good just trying to I don't know figure out what the kids are doing and <laughs>
2: <laughs> figure out what. The- go ahead
5: yeah The main takeaway is
2: figure out what the the kids are doing and then put your kid to work on (laughs) getting it done. (laughs)
0: Um, So, Edith, yours,
1: we've already touched lightly on it, uh, but it does have kind of a huge twist in the end. Um, Did you know that that's the direction you were going? when you started it or was that twist as much of a surprise for you?
4: Um, I think I knew I was going in that direction. Um, especially like with her being like a schoolgirl, like that was, that fit in with that sort of, um, grooming and spoiler alert, like, you know, sexual abuse, trauma. Um, I sometimes I'm surprised that like it, people like some readers picked up on it like that it was that it was coming like I remember reading like the the google doc comments and people were like oh no and um because I feel like sometimes I'm too honest about my twists like I put too much out there I really when I should be holding back more um but no I I think I kind of always knew that Nona was really like wounded inside that she was carrying this um huge burden And that's what made her, you know, so um, that she gets so into this character that she plays. So, yeah, no, I I would say that I started the story with that intent. it,
1: It was definitely well handled. You know, that subject matter can be tricky to navigate, but you created a character that was easy to care for. And ended it well I don't. it's hard I don't want to spoil too much
0: (laughs) so um
2: I think like you hinted like the perfect amount like because when you looked back everything added up but like it wasn't in your face I I like just adore that story I could rave about it all day oh thanks
1: (laughs) that I'm actually surprised to hear that the people picked up on it because I did not. So I, I guess I'm just not that great at the foreshadowing. Yeah,
4: Matt did. Like, I remember seeing his comment where he was like, oh, no. And, like, I think he, like, picked up on it. But, yeah. So... I don't know I'm really I never pick up on things and stories or like twists I'm always like oh my god like I had no idea so
1: you know that's that's (laughs) me I just I'm reading it I'm enjoying the whole ride and then all of a sudden something changes and I'm like whoa thank
4: you
2: (laughs) but it's a craft too because like if it's something changes and like there are no hints like no one enjoys that but like when you when you get that feeling of like yeah that all adds up like that's that's the magic
4: yeah, I remember some some writer friend uh, writer friend of mine told me like the reader actually enjoys when they can figure it out like it's not super obvious but they're like aha like I know where this is going. I don't know. I tell myself that to make myself feel better when people figure out. Well, you
1: you <laughs> duped me. You, you fooled me in it. So <laughs> it's not like super impressive because I've had to um, fiddle with this court twice. Like when I started this call, I had it backwards. <laughs> so- <laughs> am i like the most <laughs> stop selling yourself
2: short you're a great reader and <laughs> Edith exactly. is super smart and it's <laughs> super pretty it's super
1: funny i know we covered this last episode <laughs> um, <laughs> um so chelsea mm-hmm. specifically some you know backstory on that um i gave you this question and i was like don't say this before
2: and then i did it
1: um and then you did it
0: so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you drew
1: inspiration from the sleep paralysis (laughs) demon um how did you decide to turn that character like I no matter how much I think about it I can't connect the dots between sleep paralysis demon and karma San (laughs) Diego so (laughs) so how did you come up with the character in that way
2: Um, so I did like a intense research dive into Carmen Sandiego's character and I wish that she wasn't (laughs) trademarked or whatever, because I would have just thrown her in there. Um, and honestly, I feel like it would be really good, um, Canon, so they should add it. (laughs) Um, so her name isn't actually that in the story. It's like, it's something that hints at it, like trying to be very obvious. Um, anyway, there's this whole backstory of Carmen Sandiego and like her parents died and she ended up in this, like, school for girls and all this other stuff. And I was like, this is perfect Potter. I'm this is perfect for horror. I'm gonna totally add this in. Um so there is this like interesting character canon of this person who experiences like this childhood trauma. And that seemed to me like a natural fit with the story I was going for. Um so at first it was just like a goofy tie-in with like the hat. I'm like, oh a hat man Carmen Sandy goes hat. I'll do this like reveal that it's not this malignant male character it's like this protective female um presence but um yeah I don't know part of it was like shoehorning because I was like how do I make this 90s and like here's a goofy character and then it actually like the more I dug in I like kind of tried to weave it so it actually made a lot more not I mean when sense. that sense you did, did I, I don't know how question? you answered it but I
1: understand now <laughs> so I, I can't dig through and find the answer but awesome. I do I see the connection <laughs> now and it's actually really neat I didn't realize that Carmen Sandiego had such intense backstory I thought she was just like a a, a spy that I know lived in a tv show <laughs> like it's
2: Yeah, I probably (laughs) just educated more people than ever will have Googled that on their own. So you're
1: welcome. I (laughs) do have to thank you all for coming on here and sharing this. They were incredible stories. Um, Every one of them is fantastic. They're all nostalgic. They they tug at that 90s bone that everybody's dying to itch because of the times we're in now and we're all getting older and... (sighs) all of those negative things so so yeah
2: our backs <laughs> hurt and i take more ibuprofen uh, than it, is normal her, what you
1: call horror <laughs> all of that i wasn't reading
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah um, that's what so i call horror
1: <laughs> for cv and edith uh, where can we find you do you have social media links that we can link do you have a website
5: uh yeah i have a twitter Uh, at writers W-R-I-T-E-R-S Jones and uh, a website uh, www.therulesoftheroad.net which is the title of my debut novel, The Rules of the Road.
0: (laughs)
1: And
5: Edith?
4: Um, I have a Twitter and that's about it at at Edith Lockwood 13. Um, It's mostly 90s uh anthology memes right now.
2: <laughs> I appreciate um, you all so much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um and I have a couple stories published in the dread
2: dread machine. So you can find those there. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Chelsea, did you want to share your socials?
2: I think I already did in the other <laughs> thing, so I can <laughs> I, I can go, let it go. I've read <laughs> um some of your pieces in the dread machine, Edith, and I love them just as much as I love Nona. Oh, I haven't things. gotten a chance to read "Rules of the Road" yet, but it's on my shelf, CB. But do you oh, have any so. other? You have another thing coming out. Um, that has to I just
5: just some short stories um, <laughs> coming out. Well, this one, and then a couple uh, in an anthology. Oh yeah, the bug anthology. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, there's a yeah. I got I sold a story. Uh, it's an anthology called this world belongs to us it's an anthology about bug themed horror and mine is called in this house
2: spiders are our friends so i love that yeah i'm really excited to read that one
1: but i i will say you you really need to check out the anybody that's listening um the rules of the road it was fantastic. Oh, thank I you. I thank did. You. I I think I messaged you like as soon as I read I'm like, what dude, Yeah, here. I appreciate
5: it. Yeah. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah. There's just one one scene that just sticks with me. Um, I can't say it because, you know, okay. Spoilers, but it's it's about a hotel. And I just oh, yeah, I yeah. adore that scene so much. <laughs> so um yeah, everybody check out uh, Edith's work in The Dread Machine and CB's in the upcoming. This world belongs to us, right? Did I say that one? Yes. Yes. And yes. rules of the road.
3: This is the Cutthroat Queens podcast, and I am Elton Skelter. Thank you very much for joining us today. We've had guests C.B. Jones and Edith logwood two incredible authors. So please look up their work. All of the details about that will be in our attached document. Uh, we'll be back next month for a very very special double edition and uh, if you want to talk to us tell us how we're doing or tell us what you like or don't like about the podcast you can reach us through socials we've got twitter at cutthroat horror or our email address is cutthroatqueenspodcast at gmail.com this has been the cutthroat queens podcast sponsored by the ghosts of both shirley and michael jackson pop rocks and ky jelly yours and mine i'm elton skelter we are the cutthroat queens and you are welcome
0: You're never gonna get it So when you lay me down to rest Dress me up all in my Sunday best You know it is true, you know